Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class posted each Wednesday evening at 6.30 for those who are not able to be with us at the building at Sunny Slope Church of Christ or for those also who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're thankful to have this opportunity to reach out in such a widespread, broad-based way through the internet, through these podcasts, with God's Word to be able to teach it, we pray, accurately, effectively, and even powerfully to God's glory and to help souls, to help congregations also all around the world. We want to help. We care about people's souls. We want to help people get to heaven. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, probably other technological means as well. But you know people in your life who need to get into God's Word. They need to start thinking about their souls, about their relationship with God, about eternity because it's coming. So share with your friends, your family members, your work associates, your neighbors, with everybody you can, literally. What a great blessing it will be for somebody to get to heaven, and they got started on that path because you got them into God's Word by sharing these studies with them. Now, that'll be a great blessing for them, obviously, but it will also be a great blessing for you. We also encourage you to take advantage of, if you have not already done so, but also encourage everybody you know to take advantage of our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Tell people they can scroll down the home page to the podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. As we keep emphasizing, we're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, our radio program, Search the Scriptures, which is Monday through Friday, and then also a really wonderful daily short Bible study, about 13 minutes every day, getting us into God's Word that we call today's Bible class. All of that will automatically go to their smart device, whichever one they choose, their smartphone, computer, laptop, tablet, pad, whatever. They can also take advantage of hundreds of sermons posted at our website, and many of those now and all of those that are being posted uh, over the last few months are being posted in video format as well as audio format. And then also they'll be able to download and read through and study hundreds of biblically based and spiritually focused articles. Again, all of that is free and always will be free. We want to help people get to heaven. We want to help them walk with their Lord. We're going to get back into our study of 1 Peter. We've been spending considerable time in this particular study, taking our time, trying to look at it in depth and in detail, and bringing out meat that is there, that maybe in just a casual reading we would kind of gloss over. We wouldn't pick up all of the details, but we want to try to bring those out, at least to a great extent, and help you understand the depth of what Peter is trying to get across here as he writes this primarily to Christians, true New Testament Christians, members of the Lord's church, but also 
certainly the principles apply to those who have yet to become Christians. And so it can strengthen the Christian tremendously in his faith. And again, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So it's crucial that we get into God's word and stay into God's word. But this also will help people learn about the Christian life and learn about God and Christ as they study through these these, uh, th- this particular letter from the Apostle Peter as well. Now, we left off with verse 11 in chapter 4 last time. Well, we looked at chapter 3, and I said, boy, there's really a rich chapter in this particular letter from the Apostle Peter. I don't know that we could say chapter 4 is any less rich than chapter 3. So we've been bringing out details here, looking at it, you know, kind of peeling the layers back, so to speak, and and really prayerfully and hopefully learning a great deal and strengthening us in our faith. In verse 11, Peter goes on and he says, well, let me go back to verse 7 and kind of set the context again. He, He wrote, but the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Now, did he mean the end of the world as he thought in his own mind was at hand, was about to happen? Was the world going to be destroyed, the Lord coming back on that final day of judgment? I don't think we're to understand that. But for everybody who is living, death is just a breath away. And there's no real security in assuming I'm going to live to be 95 or 100 or 110. Some people do, but a whole lot of people die in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and in their teen years and even as young children and infants. Preaching the gospel in the Lord's Church for well over four decades, I've done funerals, I've spoken at funerals for people of all ages virtually, including infants. So death is just a breath away. Well, the end of all things is at hand. Now we can understand his statement there from that perspective, but we we can also understand it from the perspective that with God, time is eternal. It's without end. And so as Peter brings out in his second letter in chapter three, he says, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is a thousand years to the, to the Lord. Well, okay, so God knows when the end of this world, as we know it, is going to come to an end. That's already set in his mind. And to God, from an eternal perspective, we might think, well, what if it's 10,000 years away? It may be. It may be 10 seconds away. And either one, in terms of eternity, is basically the same in God's nature, because he is eternal. If a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years, well, 10,000 years, what would we say? <laughs> well, again, we're, we're, talking about, uh, we're, we're talking about just simply illustration of a principle. And so if a thousand years is as a day, and a day is a thousand years, 10,000 years, I don't think we're to say, well, that means 10 days in God's eyes. No, no, time is eternal with God, eternal. 
And so we are finite. We look at time with finite understanding. A day is 24 hours. An hour is 60 minutes. A minute is, is, uh, is uh, 60 seconds, you know, and, and so on. But with God, that's not the case. With God, a day is, from our perspective, our time frame, it's basically meaningless because, again, he's eternal in nature. But what Peter's trying to get across there is we need to always be ready for that day to come. He says, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. We need to be careful about our emotions, and we need to try to stay focused in the love that God has demonstrated to us in creating us in his image, in blessing us, oh my, so abundantly, and also in sending his son into this world to die on that cross as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for our sins. We need to learn that we need to love one another. Now, we need to love God first, but we need to love one another as well, and particularly our brothers and sisters in Christ. He goes on and says, Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God blesses us with abilities, with talents, and with opportunities, and we need to use those in service to God and to his glory, and a lot of that would entail our serving others, helping others, teaching others the gospel, and so on. Now, in verse 11, where we pick up in earnest today, Peter goes on and says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the, as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. In chapter 3 and verse 15, Peter wrote, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We need to know not just what we believe, but we need to know why we believe it. And so the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, as the King James Version translates the first part of that verse, study. Other translations have it be diligent. The meaning is the same. The sense is the same. Study or be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or understanding and handling and correctly applying the word of truth, which is God's word. In chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verses 15 through 17, Paul talked about how the word guides us to salvation, God's word. And then he tells us that all scripture is God's very word. It is, it is given by inspiration of God and that it is given to us to help us to correct us when we are in error, to instruct us, to guide us in the truth of God, and to prepare us or equip us to do all of the good works that God has in mind for us to do. 
So we need to know what we believe, and we need to know why we believe it. We can look in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, and we look in verse 29. And here the Apostle Paul wrote, Ephesians 4 verse 29, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Well, we need to conduct ourselves in a Christian way, as Christians. <coughs> and that would include how we speak. We need to make sure that when we are with others, but not just with others, when we're by ourselves, when we're with family members, people close to us, when we're with anybody, and certainly even when we're by ourselves because we're still with God at that point, we need to guard our speech in, in ways that will bespeak our faith in God and our desire, our commitment to live a godly life before him. And so <clears throat> let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. We need to not use profanity. We certainly do not need to use God's name in vain or the Lord's name in vain. That is in flippant ways and profane ways. We need to not use vulgarity. We need to guard our speech in terms of keeping our emotions under control and not letting anger lead us to fly off the handle. We need to be careful about arguing. And we need to be we need to steer clearly away from gossip and talebearing. Well, so let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. What does that word edification or edify mean? to build up, to encourage, to strengthen. Well, we need to encourage and strengthen people around us with the word of God. And he goes on then and says that it may impart grace to the hearers. Grace to the hearers. Well, so if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. We need to live the life of godliness guided in that lifestyle by the word of God by the scriptures, by the Bible. He goes on and says, if anyone ministers, let him do it as, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Well, that links right to with and together with verse 10 when he says, as each one has a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Well, God gives us, he blesses us with abilities and talents and opportunities and we need to use those to God's glory and again part of that a big part of that is we're going to be serving others through those abilities and talents and opportunities do you know that you have you have influence over some people in your life that probably virtually nobody else has do you use that influence to lead them to Christ? Do you use that influence to teach them about God and forgiveness and salvation and a Christian lifestyle? You need to think about that. God blesses you with opportunities to reach out. Do you take advantage of those opportunities and put them into practice to reach out with his word to teach people about him? In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31, 
the Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. That is a focus that ought to be fundamental, foundational in our lives, that we live our lives first and foremost, bottom line, to glorify God. Now that should be not just when we're at the church building, but that should be every day of our life, all day long. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, Paul wrote, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, and then verse 23, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. We need to think about where our focus in life ought to be and how we ought to live our lives for God, faithful, obedient, dedicated, committed, always, And that's not just following a whole list of rules. That is living our life with the forethought that I want to be godly. I want to give God glory in the way that I live my life just on a common everyday basis before everybody around me. I want to be a good husband, a godly husband. I want to be a godly wife. I want to be a godly father, a godly mother. I want to be a godly son or daughter. I want to be a godly grandparent. I want people at work to see Christ in me as I live a godly life before them and as to how I conduct myself before them on the job every day. I want the neighbors to see Christ in me in the way I live before them and conduct myself just on a common basis. I need to live that Christian life. Well, we move on, beginning with verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Huh, what fiery trial is is Peter talking about here? Well, every day, the devil puts us on trial. Even even if we are, in our minds, strong Christians, the devil's after us every day. He's looking for weak spots. He's looking for openings. He's looking for opportunities to pull us away from God and into unfaithfulness. He doesn't have to make us atheists. He just has to draw us away from faithfulness, from dedication, from consistent obedience to God's word and in God's will. So that is the fiery trial that we all face every day. Now, I think probably Peter is talking more on the more immediate scene that the church of his day was either already in or was about to enter into a period of extreme, brutal, barbaric, violent persecution at the hands of the Roman government. And that was going to go on for, oh, 
almost 300 years, about 250 or so. It would flare up to greater heights at times. It would kind of wane for periods of times, but it kept coming back. And the Roman government basically made war on the church for, yeah, well, as I say, you know, over 250 years or about 250 years. Just incredible. And so it was going to be very trying upon Christians to maintain, to be determined to not give up on their faith, to stay true to God, to stay true to Christ, to live that faithful, dedicated, consistent Christian life. So Peter says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. There are all kinds of fiery trials that try us. We've been going through an incredible period of trial when, as we've lived through this pandemic. That's tried people's faith mightily. And there have been a whole lot of people, I'm virtually certain, who have become very weak in their faith and dedication through this particular time by virtue of what they've been going through and isolation and and all kinds of, of confusion and orders and mandates and all that. But now, this isn't the first time that humanity has faced these, this, this kind of situation, basically. There have been all kinds of pandemics and epidemics and endemics and, and plagues upon humanity, basically throughout the history of humankind. The devil can use those settings, those situations, to try our faith. Economic upheaval also becomes a fiery trial. Think about what history tells us about the Great Depression in our country back in the 20s and early 30s. Oh my, incredible. People committed suicide. People lost all their, their funds, lost their homes, became destitute. All kinds of fiery trials. But again, what Peter was, I think, specifically and immediately pointing to was the church of that day was going to become severely persecuted. And a whole lot of Christians were going to die at the hands of the Roman government simply because they were Christians. You think that doesn't happen today? The Middle East, where you have enemies of Christianity beheading Christians? Communist countries, where Christianity is persecuted severely? And not just in our time, but again, we're talking about basically throughout the history of mankind. Well, Peter says, rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. And here we come back to this theme that, okay, if we suffer for righteousness, for our Christian faith, we can be thankful that we're suffering for a worthy cause. If we suffer because we're a crook, criminal, a murderer, 
a cheat, a thief, whatever that might be. Okay, we're suffering the consequences of our lifestyle, but, and, and we deserve punishment in many cases. But if we're suffering for Christianity, for being faithful to God through Christ, then we know that we're suffering for a just cause. The persecutors are the ones who are out of line, who are being unrighteous and ungodly. And they'll have to suffer the consequences of their actions. But we can have confidence that God knows what's going on. God is keeping score. And we can, we can believe that he will bless us for our determined faithfulness, even in the face of our suffering. Now, let me talk a little bit more about the fiery trials. Any of you suffer any kind of physical problems, health-wise, physical handicaps? Do you know people who struggle with emotional problems, psychological disorders? You see, all of those are fiery trials as well, or at least they can be for the individuals. Maybe there's somebody in your family or among your friends who is an out-of-control alcoholic or drug addict. That does not just affect those individuals, but it affects people around them, and certainly their immediate families. They're fiery trials. You see, again, the devil will use any opening that he can find to get into your life and my life to try our faith and try to bring us away from God. Peter goes on and says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of God, or the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. People cannot break your faith if you don't give in to their attempts to break your faith. But then Peter goes on and says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Huh. What a great lesson for us. If we're suffering for the most just of all causes, and that's Christianity, our faith in God, our faith in Christ, well, even in the face of that suffering, if we're to stay determined to stay faithful, then we're blessed. Now, Peter says, okay, if you're in jail because you've committed crimes <laughs> and you're suffering for that, well, understand that's the consequences of your misbehavior, your ungodly lifestyle. But if you're suffering for your faith in Christ, then God knows the score. He knows your dedication. And so Peter says, don't be ashamed, but let him but, but glorify God in this matter. Now, blessed are you, he says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ. Well, our time's up for today, so we're going to stop and park here. We'll finish off chapter 4 next time and perhaps get into chapter 5. Again, 
what a rich, rich letter Peter wrote, primarily to Christians, but also to all of humanity. And I pray that we're learning mightily from it, and that it is a blessing. This study has been a blessing for you. It has been for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us your word to teach us, to instruct us, to guide us in your will, to guide us in our faith in you, and to assure us that we can, with your blessing and with your help and strength, we can stay faithful and strong in our faith, no matter what fiery trial might come our way, and that you have the ultimate blessing waiting for us and already promised to us as we stay faithful and dedicated and committed to you. And that's a home in heaven waiting for us in eternity. We give you the praise, the glory, the honor, and the thanks, Father. And we beg you, Father, also at this time, please forgive us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.